Hello, everybody, and welcome to Toronto Rock Total Access. I am Mike Hancock, along with the co-host, Challen Rogers. We are here for another week of the show. Coming off a, I don't know, would you call it heartbreaking? Or how would you categorize Saturday night's loss to the Buffalo Bandits? Wouldn't call it heartbreaking. Upsetting. Upsetting? Yep. Okay. 11-10 was the final score on Saturday night in Buffalo, a game in which the Rock led at the half and going into the third quarter. And for the first time this season, dropped a game when leading at the half or through three quarters. First time this season. 13-0 and in those situations heading into the fourth quarter on Saturday night. Um, let's talk a little bit about the game, Chow. What? Thoughts on the difference between the first half and the second half? Uh, I just I think they started executing a little bit better. Um, you know, they made us pay on our mistakes. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I, we battled hard. It was just, it came down to kind of the, the little things, which it usually tends to. And, um, you know, we just weren't good enough. A one goal game. And I mean, it almost felt like there had to be some flashbacks of last year's playoffs towards the end of that game. And the frantic situation that unfolded in the final minute. And even Dan Craig, again, the ball in Dan Craig's (laughs) stick, having a chance with Vino kind of almost down and out. And uh, somehow Vino pulls out a save there uh, on basically what turned out to be the rocks last shot in that game. Um, I, I, I don't know. This is, it's a weird situation too, with the bye week involved here before the playoffs. And, um, this game against the bandits was, uh, something that I think was, was building for a long time, the importance of it. And how do you deal with these next two weeks mentally as a player? Uh, I mean, I think it just, you turn the page. Um, you know, we're not playing Buffalo in our first playoff game. We're, playing Rochester, Halifax, I think, one of those two. Um, so, yeah, it's really just kind of watching this weekend's games, figuring out who we're playing and, and you know, putting all our focus into whoever our opponent is and, um, you know, trying to dissect what we can do to have success against them. And you've had success pretty well against everybody this year. You know, there's been ups and downs, wins, losses, et cetera. But, um, you know, I think when you say things like that, you know, we want to figure out how to have success. You've obviously got these experiences to draw on throughout the season. And, you know, I don't think the confidence is gone for any reason, obviously, right? It's one loss. It's one game. Like you say, you turn the page. Um, but where does the where does the mindset need to be here going into the playoffs and, and into a single elimination game where you you can't you don't have a second chance? Like, this is it, Friday night, May the 5th. It's a one-game single elimination, win, move on, lose, go home. Yeah, uh, you touched on it. I think it just kind of comes down to confidence. Um, We are a confident group just because we lost our last game doesn't mean we're not confident. I think we've had, you know, the last 18 games to figure out what this team is and, and, you know, what makes us be successful and, um, you know, we've had a lot of success this year, but the ultimate, um, 
you know, ultimate show of success is obviously hoisting a trophy at the end of the year. And, um, you know, we're a confident group. We just, we didn't execute the way we needed to. And um, the, the mindset going into this week and next, next week is just kind of being at our best. Like you said, there's one game, you have one opportunity to seize everything you've ever wanted. Shout out Eminem, but it's it's the truth, you know. It's it really you, is. You yeah. have you have one chance. You have one chance. You have one opportunity, and um, we've worked extremely hard this year to to reach our goals. And our first goal is to make playoffs, and we've done that. And now it's um, to win our first playoff game. All right. Well, I can hear the Eminem in the background now, as we get ready for our first guest and our only guest on this program. <laughs> But, uh, Chal, who do we have this week? Today, we have number six, Daniel Dawson. Look, big get. Yeah, big it, get. it was a really hard booking for me. One yeah? shot. No. Okay. One opportunity. <laughs> All right, well, let's get into it with the legend, dangerous Dan Dawson, here on Toronto Rock Total Access. Just let it slip. Yo. His palms are sweaty, knees weak, arms are heavy. There's vomit on his sweater already. Mom's spaghetti, he's nervous, but on the surface he looks calm and ready to drop palms. Welcome back to Toronto Rock Total Access. I am Mike Hancock with the co-host Challen Rogers. And Challen, in terms of uh, historical significance in the game of lacrosse, I think this is your biggest booking to this point. It is, isn't it? Yes. So who do we have as a guest this week? We have the GOAT. Although he wouldn't refer to himself as that, I will do it for him. Number six, Dan Dawson. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. <laughs> What's going on, Dan? Nothing much. Chal uh, briefed me last – when he talked to me last week about maybe coming on the pod. I said, absolutely. Love it. Love listening to you guys. Like I said, you get a little bit insight into the guys, and I said, I'm all for it. Is this your first podcast ever? No. I did Back of the Bird for my brother – and he literally called me, not lying, the night before, saying, so I'm back out, can you jump on? And then my mom texted me and said, you have to go on Raleigh's podcast, he needs somebody. <laughs> so once he got mom involved, I went on it. But in person, this is the only time I've ever done it, like in person, like professionally like this. Professionally? Well, I would say this is professional, no? There's yeah, no but mics. I think you, we've done this before, you and I. Not we didn't have these mics. Yeah. Yeah, we didn't these mics. Oh, we did. There's no way. (laughs) No, there's like screens in the mics where it makes your voice sound better. Like I feel like a singer. Like I could sing. Yeah, it's like a windscreen. So yeah, like your plosives don't. There's no possible way we did the podcast like this. You think so? I'm positive because okay. we had these microphones before you started playing for the team. So if you've done would, a podcast, it's... Oh, no. You know what? Oh, thank you. Hammer. You are right. Because you know when I think the only COVID. time we did it was we did it over Zoom during the pandemic. Now you got me thinking. No, no. <laughs> yeah, but so it doesn't matter. This is unbelievable. Oh, bottom line is I, I gave you a nice compliment <laughs> saying this, this is the only this time I've been nice on. nice microphones. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> Bad headphones, though. Well, just, one, just one, one set is not great. Yeah. It's okay. All right. Well, you're up, Chow. Yeah, we, got, go. we got lots of prep. Chow did a lot of prep. We were at the Smile Zone ground opening this morning at St. Joe's in Hamilton. And Chow said before things got going, he was uh, 
showed me his notes app, and he was deep into his show prep this morning. So I'm excited to see what he's got here. I was thinking last night, too, about some questions I could ask you so that they're fresh in the mind. Well, I know you're always prepared, so I'm excited to answer them to the best of my ability. Okay, let's start off with a nice, easy one here. Yeah. You've been in this league for how long? 20 years? 21? 21. Okay. I'm looking at you hammer. You're the, when you... I get like, well, the COVID thing, right? Like, yeah, I know. It's you know, a weird that's thing, it's such right? a weird thing. Because your first season was what, 2002 in Correct. Columbus, right? Yeah. So, yeah, is it 21? Is it 22? Yeah. yeah. Call it, call it 20-ish. Yeah. Just over 20. Okay. Do you know how many teams you've played on? I can do the math quickly. <laughs> Columbus, Arizona, Portland. Boston, Philadelphia, Rochester, Saskatchewan, San Diego, Toronto, nine. Nice. Yeah. From those nine teams, favorite jersey? Absolutely, Portland. Portland yeah, that the third. Yeah, the Lumberjack, like um, the Lumberjack jacket one. Yeah. It's like our third jersey. I like that one. It was sick. You had some cool jerseys. Yeah, we did. Um, I did like the Sting one. Um, Boston Blazers was another cool one. The Land Shark was cool too. Yeah, I, I like the Columbus one. Obviously, first year in the league. Um, they're all good. They're all good. But I would say Lumberjack for sure, my favorite. I like that. Portland. Like, go ahead, sir. No, I was just gonna say. I feel like I had a Reebok poster of you when I was younger, in like the Inside Lacrosse magazine. Even, I think it's Brody. Yeah, there's a team of us, me, Brody, Steenhouse, Zach Greer, Jordan Hall, um, and Matt Ulrich were kind of all, all part of Reebok. And yeah, I remember that watermelon challenge one. Oh, yeah. So 2009, they came They came into the league a little bit before that, actually, 2007, I believe was their first year. Then they started kind of manufacturing a lot of good stuff around 2008, 2009. How old were you then? 2009. Uh question i was 15 yeah that, that makes sense yeah very nice. you're like a big dude i was in your room <laughs> i was in your room <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> At every single post i mean i had a subscription inside lacrosse and then they would always have that big full yeah. poster yeah right on the wall thanks man full you circle. had a great inside lacrosse cover at one point didn't you with uh brody yeah, it was like the um, Step Brothers one. Remember yeah. with the Christmas sweaters? Yeah, the and Christmas I, was, I might have been holding them, I think, in my <laughs> arms like a yeah, baby. You were. Now, How did that happen? Whose idea was that? And was there any apprehension on either no, or Brody's I, part to do that? I believe I was working with John Gelati on that. And uh, Chad Whitman, a Reebok rep. I just thought it was kind of funny, unique, instead of having the standard two guys looking mean. Yeah. To the camera with the Philadelphia Wings jersey on. <laughs> that, yeah. I should get one with Kai holding him in my arms in the Christmas sweaters every time <laughs> <laughs> it was Brody. <laughs> For those of you who don't know, I have a redheaded son. Oh, yeah. There you go. <laughs> That's the joke. That's the joke. When we talk about Portland, though, you just mentioned them briefly. I mean, and, and Arizona, for that matter, two teams that were pretty good, right? Very good. But didn't stick around very long. Mm -hmm. Those two, especially, is there one of those two markets that you think maybe were circumstances a little bit different 
could have lasted longer because the team on the floor was really good in in both situations there. Yeah, Arizona, we went to the finals, you know, two out of three years, um, 2005, 2007. And then even in Portland, actually went to the finals the following year, 2008. I would say Arizona, given the track record they're having with hockey, it is a tough place to play because of where the arena is situated. It's on the other side of the city. doesn't have a big draw from Scottsdale. Um, they would have to move it to Tempe, as I'm sure they've, they've finally realized with hockey. So I don't think it was a beautiful arena, beautiful place, but it was just off the beaten path. I don't think it could survive there. Um, I would say that Portland, we did have crowds upwards of eight, 9,000. Angela did an amazing job out there. So thankful for my year there. I think it could fly there. Um, you know, you see a lot of, you know, Northern Western lacrosse players from that area going division one, even going on to the pro leagues. Now, um, a lot of those guys saying they were ball boys with the lumberjacks. I think, it, I think it could fly there. I really do. Um, as you know, you got to tap into the local market. That, that's your bread and butter. And um, Arizona, it just it's not there yet unless they get that in your arena. Hmm. What about Palm Springs? What about Palm Springs? I don't know, man. They, they got a <laughs> they got a team out there. They got a team out there. There's an arena they built there. I think it's out by like Coachella, or like you know, where they do the Coachella. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was looking at it the other day. That would be cool. Well, you can't just go based on cool. Eh? <laughs> <laughs> there has to be some business model of revenue driven. Yeah. Yeah. What about Palm Springs? That should be like, we should have just, new titles of the podcast. And that, that should be the title of this episode. Is, what about Palm Springs? <laughs> yeah, just pick up places that you think yeah. would be cool to play in. Have yeah. no like structure to it. <laughs> they got an arena there to play. Well, Stevie Govett took all the guys out to uh, Australia. Do you remember that? No. Yeah. Wait, was that like an all-star game yeah. that they played there? Okay, I don't even know yeah, if Chow yeah, knows yeah. about this. So back in, I got in the fire department in 2009. So it was my first year on the fire department. Uh, Steve called me. He's like, hey, listen, we got this real cool, unique opportunity to go down to Australia. We're going to play at the Australian Open venue, and we're going to promote the sport of lacrosse worldwide, right? So I'm going to pick about top 40, 50 players in the NLL and your name. We'd like you to come to this trip. So long story short is I looked at the schedule. I just said, you know, Steve, I, I love it. I just got the fire department. can't do it. So anyways, they went down for about 10 days. And yeah. then you should get to someone like, I'll pull up the roster. Maybe you should talk to somebody, a really cool, unique um, person to talk to about their experiences with that. But that that's what I would love to do when I'm done playing too, is experience all those wor- you know opportunities worldwide, like that tournament abroad and stuff. But. Well, I think there was, um, yeah, the Alice Rubeski tournament you're talking about yeah. there in Prague. Yeah. The, um, I think recently there was even some talk, and when I say recently, sometime in the last 10 years about doing a game on the beach somewhere in like Barbados no or Bahamas Field or box. something. It was a uh, box. It would build a, build a box out on the beach. And they were talking about it because it was going to be like, a, I think it was like a sponsor agreement or something with a tourism okay. or something or other. And they would take the play a game down there and obviously try to get fans to to go down to a resort and and have you guys <laughs> play a game on the beach for that fun. is cool yeah. yeah we need guys like chal involved i always i like the way he thinks about things kind of outside the box and 
not dreamy, but just different. And, and Steve Govett's one of those guys too. And actually you throw Jamie in there too. Jamie's yeah. got a lot of great ideas. And then, uh, but we all have great ideas, but I, I mean, I think Jamie and Stevie see a lot of those ideas through, which is great. And that was a real cool, how, you know, those guys that had that experience, I'm sure, I mean, they wouldn't be in Australia otherwise. Yeah. Well, you talk even about just the outdoor game this year. Oh, my gosh. You know, in San Diego, that was uh, pretty cool. And he's wanted to take a game outside for a while, right? Because they tried to play that one on the... Uh, Naval base? Yeah, the or airstrip the or whatever. Yeah. yeah, they were going to try and do that, but it just didn't uh, end up happening. I believe that was the COVID Right. Season. Was there talk... Of, well, they did the NCAA basketball game on... one Right, of the, on the aircraft. Or on the, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think that the mansions would work for us, would they? I don't know. I don't know how big those aircraft carriers are. I know. Neither do I. <laughs> neither do I. They're, they're big. They're big enough to have jets land on yeah. them. So I, don't I feel know. like there's enough room. You think? You like think? the basketball court fit there with some size. and Yeah. Yeah, I know. I'm looking, at the tur- I'm looking at the turf now. It must. Like that jet needs more, more than 200 feet to yeah, land. I, th- I would think so. If not, yeah. even more power to those guys. <laughs> <laughs> They could really land a jet. <laughs> this is pre-firefighter days. Yeah. This is one of my favorites. You saved Rosie's life. Yeah. Legit. Yeah. It was pretty scary. Um, I wasn't on the fire department yet. We were living together. Um, Maddie Lyons, him. And, of course, we're always goofing around. When you have eight personalities in the house. Anyways, we had this western door that would swing both ways. It was just on a hinge and it would never stop. So it would swing out or in um, saloon style door. And it had a plane of glass in it, like regular glass and then the wood at the bottom of it. So anyways, they're running out to do the garbage. Somehow Maddie did something to Nikki. Nikki's chasing him. He swings open the door. Does he realize that the door is gonna recoil past its original position into an inward swinging door? He puts his arms up to brace for it and the plane of glass just broke and went right through his arm. So at which point his arm is now to the arteries, like you could see like down to the bone and he's spewing everywhere. And all of a sudden I hear like the horrific Dawson, Maddie's screaming at the top of his lungs. I'm upstairs at the time. I come running downstairs and there's Nick and he's starting to go into shock. Like he is white as a ghost and there is blood everywhere. So I rip off my sweatshirt quickly and make a tourniquet out of it, just kind of tie off the blood around where like the arteries are spitting out the blood. And he's got a lot of flesh flapping around. Looks like he got attacked by a shark. So long story short is we call 911, go to the operating room, and it was unbelievable. We were in Boston at the time, and he just in and out in like half hour. There was nobody, yeah. So, yeah, and uh, Nikki tells the story. He's like... You're sick. I'm like, why? He's like, because you stayed there and you wanted to watch him stitch me up. And it was, <laughs> I was just like, I wanted to just see this through. But Nick, sorry, I'm committed to it. Yeah. So it was like, Nick would have to do the math, but I, I'm guessing it was upwards of close to 100 stitches no inside. Way. Yeah, he wow. still has the scars. And we took a couple pictures on the phone and it was an old Blackberry. And Nick wished we still had him, but we don't. So Nick Rose owes me forty nine ninety nine for a Boston Blazers sweatshirt. <laughs> so I'll hold that yes. over his head forever. Yeah, yeah. That's incredible. Um, you were talking. We were talking a little bit before we got started here about. Um, I would almost call them borderline dad jokes at this point. 
when you're some of the things you're talking about. But how has that been with, you know, a player at your age with this experience in the league and relating sometimes to your teammates who are in some cases close to 20 years younger than you? Yeah, it's uh, I like to think I'm young at heart and uh, I'm really it's tough for me because I tell the story of like I tuck my uh, jogging pants into my socks like Phil Mazuka because I see him. He's the young hipster, right? Good looking guy. Right. So I'm like, all right, I'm going to do, do what Phil does. Right. So I like a challenge. He is style. I steal little uh, things from these guys. And then I look at the coaching staff and those are like the guys my age. Right. The guys I play with like Brucey, Rusty, yeah. B. Miller. And uh, so they laugh at me because I'm trying to be like the young guys. And then when I dress like a scrub and a dad, like the coaching staff, the young guys laugh at me. So, like, I'm in a lose-lose situation no matter what I do. So I just rely on Trelly, Phil, and then Chal and these guys to keep me hip and cool. Am I cool? Absolutely not, man. All I do is wear jogging pants into my socks, and I think I'm a hipster. Doing well. Hey, thanks, man. Do you wear backwards hats sometimes, too? Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Chow, I asked him, I cut my hair. He said, no. So I got the flow going like him still. <laughs> That's a true story. I rely on a lot of things. Chow, can I wear this with this suit? No. That you don't need socks with. Uh, so I can't do what Skiddy does, though. Oh, man. Yeah. He does, uh, like, I'm not there to wear the no socks and the dress pants with the dress pants above my ankles. But I'm getting there. I have a couple of pairs of pants my wife bought me from Lulu and uh, the stretchy jeans that are above my ankles. That I got chased out of the fire hall wearing them in there. What are you wearing? Get that out of here. <laughs> Start the car, babe. <laughs> They're going to pitchfork us. <laughs> um, when we talk about longevity in this game, obviously you're, you've kind of become the, uh, I don't want to say poster child, but you know the guy who has taken care of himself. And, and I think it's something that, uh, you know, uh, you've probably seen your effects on some of these guys, right? From the time you started and maybe how they carry themselves now as pros. Um, maybe just talk a little bit about that and, and what you've seen kind of. Um, I know you don't want to take credit for it. I know you're not that type of person. But, you know, what What have you seen about some of these guys and how they've matured here since you've been here? It's been great. Um, the league's changed a lot. The league's changed a lot. And I think especially with all the – the plethora of Canadian kids have gone down to the NCAA with four years of lifting and understanding kind of the regimen that it takes to stay as a Division One athlete into the pros. They, they have somewhat of a, a base to get there. And um, for us here with this facility, that's if you build it, they will come. There's no excuse for everyone in our dress room not to be in a tip-top shape and play this game for as long as you can with the facilities and the staff we have here with Davey and Q and everyone that's involved and all the doctors we have at our disposal. So for us, the biggest thing I've, I've realized is, is if you live your life the right way and people start asking questions, they're intrigued. They're intrigued by what you do, obviously. And, um, they, they, and I've seen guys in our own dress room. It doesn't happen overnight. They look in, they see you in there. They pop their head in. Next week, they start asking questions. Next week, they start coming in. And they say, hey, do you mind if I work out with you? What are you working out? And then all of a sudden, they see growth in, in the weight room with just you know following their numbers and their plans throughout the week. And then they see the growth on the floor. 
and then they realize, hey, I can only play this game for so long. How do I extend my length of stay here? It's what you do out the floor, the way you live your life, the way you prepare. And uh, we got such a great room. There's there's no one we sleep on in that room for our preparation. Now, speaking of, uh, you know, doing this basically every day, um, you know, we're not saying that uh, the end is now, but the end is probably near, I think, as you've hinted at a few times uh, in the past uh Recent time, recent times. Um, what do you What are you gonna do when playing is over? I know you have a day job as a firefighter that still has physical demands on you. So mm-hmm. you know, I think you know, there's obviously gonna be that part of things is gonna stick with you at uh, you know a high level. But what are you gonna do when uh, the lacrosse stick goes away in terms of uh, being a professional player? Yeah, I, I do want to cement myself and and talk with Jamie and Colin and Michelle and what the idea is my role here with track athletics and does that lead into you know the different side of of playing the game which I think there is a huge market for in you know director of player development and and that's a title that we've thrown around in this league for a long time but really what what do these people do what do I wish I had at my disposal throughout my 20-year career what could have made me better? And then fill that gap with that. I think we've done a good job, and I, I mean this wholeheartedly to all the people that have been involved in the game and been involved in my career, is that this team, Maddie, Krug, Brucey, B. Miller, Colin, it's really the first year in year 21 where I'm getting direct film of Dan Dawson outside of myself, of outside of me watching myself. I will get film from Maddie. Danny, this is what you did well. This is areas of you can work on, and this is what I didn't like from you. Awesome. Wicked. I wish that from year one. And me and Chow have talked this all the time. I, you know, I think Tommy Schreiber is another great example. He's just doing things because he's the best player in the world. Yeah. <laughs> well, what it what it, it and Maddie works with him. Like he's probably on the phone with Maddie and film every day. So I think Maddie's a big part of Tommy's success, but also a lot of that's to do with Tommy because he just wants to be the best in the world. But uh, how, can, how many Americans are there out there that we can get close to Tommy's level? I mean, Tommy's phenomenal. So I, I think that's where I could really harness my energy and my focus is, is individual, making those people better individually that ultimately help the team. So breaking, this is basically what you talked about last week on podcast Joe. i may have mentioned it yeah oh no way yeah but well, uh, like das kind of mentioned we've we've talked about this before so yeah we kind of talked about a, a skills coach essentially yeah. was what we kind of talked about how there's been that trend in the nhl that a lot of teams or a lot of players individually have hired skills coaches right and um but obviously to keep it in here and in-house with the toronto rock as a director of player development would be Right, I see. Like I've said this a long time ago, Adam so Adam Oates of lacrosse, the yeah. Adam Oates of lacrosse, there you right? Go. So That's legit, what we talked about last week, and, and like so, I, I send Chal his goals. Let's say I send Chal his goals, but what situation did he score on? Where was he on the floor? You know, what shot was it? Where does the location of the shot end up? You know, was it a was it a heart? You know, all these things that you don't want to overcomplicate the game. At the same time, you just want to give people here. Here it is. 
here's what I see, and then here's what the numbers say, and then you take it in what you want to do with it, but this is where I think you can take your game to the next level. Because there's always room for improvement. This is your 20-some-odd. If, if you don't have that mindset throughout your career, you're, the game, you'll be in and out. Because obviously you have to reinvent yourself as your game gets older. You, you're not going to be the guy anymore. So that, not saying we can't do this for everybody in the dressing room. Well, it, this is a, actually a great uh, conversation we've gotten into here because I, I've talked to, to Maddie quite a few times. And, and recently I just you know started thinking about how much he's doing video. He's doing video all the time and sending stuff to guys and sending stuff to guys. And he's talking about it. You know, I just flat out, I said, you know, the ability to work here at the track with track athletics has also given him some more time to be a pro coach, right? And just be able to dedicate to that. And, you know, you talking about a director of player development thing, all these things are really leading closer and closer and closer to guys being able to, I guess, become full-time lacrosse people, right? You know, Maddie, he said, this has made me a better coach, right. you know, being able to do this all, all the time. And, and you're talking about just making players better because – you know, they can't be here necessarily every day, but they can watch film every day. They can they can carve out some time to watch some film. So, I mean, you know, everything we do around here, we talk about, you know, we're kind of on the leading or cutting edge of, of everything in the game. And, you know, this is, you know, it, it sounds like this is something that kind of makes sense even just. No, I agree. Yeah. And, and there's other aspects of it, too. And, um you know, I'd love to work with Sean and develop a, a plan for the guys and have a better understanding of the distance that we struggle with, right? So, Tommy, what are your workouts looking like? What are you eating like? How far are you from the gym? What's your week lined up for? Because a lot of people may not have a great understanding of balance in their life. So you can just kind of show them a little bit, okay, here's here's your work week. Here's how far the gym is from you. This is what we see from you. Just help people out. That's the idea of it. And just show them the way that things that worked well for me, but also doesn't always going to work well for everyone else. But this is a way I think will help your game if you live a life this way and, and show them on the floor, but also off the floor as well. I'll be your first client. Well, dude, man, you are a freak. <laughs> and I know you hate talking about it, but I say it every single time. Like you're the biggest, strongest, fastest guy on the floor at all times. It's just, you are just weapon X. You're good at both ends of the floor. How many guys are playing on the short man, but also number one power play, right? Like, it's almost confusing, I think, for people. Where do you put this guy? Where do you put him? Because he's such a great defender, but then, geez, he's unguardable one-on-one. He sets big picks. Oh, there's no holes in your game. There is the big hole in your game. You know what I say to you every time, though? You're too nice. You're too nice, man. You got to be mean. You got to be mean. As you're staring at my soul right now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I want you I want you grabbing by the throat right now. <laughs> it was a test, man. It was a test. <laughs> We're done here. Yeah, that's why I like working out with them. I like working out with them, right? You want to work yeah. out with the best, right? So people shy away from that. And one-on-ones and stuff, it's like, no, give me Trelly. Give me Mitch. Where am I at? What's your benchmark? A lot of people put their benchmark and they do the fake mirror test. Oh, where am I at? I'm good, right? So they line up in the drills. Okay, I got this guy. I'm good. And you shoot well against the coach. But then go up against Trelly. Go up against Mitch. Go up against Chow. See where you're at. No hiding. Why not fail in practice, right? Yeah. So we could do all those things. Who Who's your matchup this week, Chow? Okay, you got 
okay, you got Rubish this week. He's a right-hander. Let's get you in practice lined up against a right-hander. So now we're going to focus on topside, right? Little things like that, right? They're so minuscule at this level, but I think over an extended period, 18 games, if we get four, eight, ten more goals out of them, that's massive, right? But problem is with lacrosse is time, like you said, extra jobs, family. It's tough balance. Speaking of family, you have three boys. Yeah. Theo, Brooksy, and Kai. Uh, this is your would this be your second year coaching, Theo? This will be my third year officially, third year? yeah, with COVID in there. How do you like coaching your own boys? You find like it's obviously different. Would you rather coach or just kind of be like your average parent of just kind of watching behind the glass? I think I had a good balance this year of in hockey. I was away so much because of lacrosse, but I was the cool trainer. So I didn't. <laughs> you're right. I was the cool trainer. I didn't have to make any cuts. So the parents like Jeff. <laughs> But then also, like, I didn't do a lot of coaching. I was just shagging pucks and making sure the lines were good. And I was, it was nice. I could actually watch my son play and enjoy it. When I'm coaching, I don't really get to enjoy the fruits of my son playing at all times. And I'm not just focused on him. I'm focused on four other people on the floor. I would say that I just actually had this conversation walking home from from school today with another dad, I said I was I was too hard on him. I was too hard on him this year, last summer, because in my mind, I wanted to set him as my example for the rest of the team that he wasn't safe, so none of you are safe. That's my son. I'm going to be hard on him, and then that way, everyone else understands that they're not safe too. We hold each other accountable. Now, the flip side is he's, eight, he's seven years old. Right? It's like, how hard can you be on a seven-year-old? I think I did a pretty good job, but at times um, I just got to be careful with having that balance of coach-dad and making sure I don't ever pull the joy out of the game from him. And I, saw, I, I can see sometimes he'll look up at me and look for reassurance from me, and I'm like, but don't ever look up at me at a game. Don't ever look to the bench. Daddy is proud of you no matter what. If you work hard, you know, you're a good teammate and you're coachable. If you miss a pass, a shot, I said, I always tell my kids, I'm not worried about execution. You're eight years old. I don't care about the execution. It's all about effort. So don't worry. We'll have a quick chat about the game and then we move on. But he's normal. He likes, you know, I like to think we have a really good relationship. So he's looking for that reassurance from dad. I'm just like, you focus on the game that you're coach. So, Is that something you think that you got from your own dad? My dad was very different. <laughs> <laughs> My dad was a savage, savage um, in the right way. So to, to uh, along with answer, but my dad came from a tough upbringing. He was an only child. He was pretty much raised by his grandparents. So... His form of affection was not like we, we received growing up in my household. Like my dad was affectionate with us. So he thought that he had to be stern and tough with us at all times. His mindset was that if he let his guard down, then we would become complacent with where we were in life and in sports. So my dad was really, it was really hard for him to compliment us. 
very, very hard for him to compliment us. So I always tell a story, and it was like I would score six goals in a game. He'd say, should have had seven. Should have, you missed that one shot, right? I would leave the room. He would say, look at my son out there. He's the best player in the world. That's, that's my son, Dan Dawson. He's unbelievable. Look at him, right? But he didn't want me to hear that from him because he felt that I would become complacent. So it took me a while throughout you know, my late teens and in my 20s when I started to have a little bit of successful, success with lacrosse that um, I realized that I wouldn't, I wouldn't get that from him. But I realized... I knew, I knew he was so proud deep down inside. And when he said he was proud of me, man, that was like, that's like my mom, the flip side. If she said, oh, Danny, that was a tough game. <laughs> that was like a dagger right through your heart. Because <laughs> she's never told me I played a bad game in my life for the team. But she's, oh, you guys had a tough one out there tonight, Danny. <laughs> so it, it was a good balance. But, you know, my, my, so it was different. I always wanted to tell my kids, like, I'm proud of them. And, and I didn't need that from my dad. Um, at the at the end as i became an adult but through through our teenage years even even with the fire service it's hilarious like it would be like okay great so when you're writing for captain it's like dad i just got on the fire department <laughs> man like like i don't even know what i'm doing here he's like well you gotta write for captain you know first time you have an opportunity to write you gotta write i'm like okay dad like i don't know if i want to do that right he's just always he's trying to get the most out of you and his way was literally like it's better to burn out than to fade away, right? And um, I think I'm gonna do a better job of balancing that with dad, but uh, he was the greatest dad in the world and he was the dad that I needed. He was the dad that I needed. And I think if I did get coddled a little bit, I think I might've settled, I might've settled. So I think through his fatherly, fatherly instincts that he knew me better than I knew myself, that he never wanted me to settle. So that's why he pushed me that way. I think Theo's a little bit different. I think uh, I'll balance a lot better because of Theo, not because I'm different than my dad. It's just that we both have the same love for our kids. Just we got to deliver it differently. Well, we always knew when it was a Rochester game week, especially when you're in Rochester, uh, when it was game week around the Toronto Rock office, we knew how proud Joe was of you because he made uh, – no secret where his allegiances <laughs> would lay as he would walk up and down the halls when the ticket office used to be at the end of the hall here, yeah. uh, you know, basically saying the Dawson boys were going to take you all down yeah. here this weekend. Yeah. So uh, it was always uh, awesome when he dropped by to visit. And, uh, yeah, he certainly uh, certainly was proud of you. Um, yeah, I mean, looking ahead, let's – do we want to talk a little look, like – Current Toronto Rock lacrosse? Yeah, I got one more thing. All right, okay. Yeah, yeah. Speaking of your dad, because uh, yeah. this is something you told me, and I thought it was always super cool. Your dad was a uh, police officer, right? And then um, he'd always fly out to you and Polly's games, even though sometimes you're yeah. on different teams. He'd be ripping around North America and just watching you play, both of you play. I, I don't know if there's a question with that. But yeah, just... uh, the, the back story is that so my parents are – are split and my dad remarried and uh, his wife, Monique, my stepmom, she worked for Canada, at which point he could fly on standby passes for whatever it was, 30, 40, 50 bucks. So he could fly around North America chasing Paul and I. Paul was in San Jose on Friday. He'd go and watch Paulie. Then he'd come watch me in Arizona on Saturday. Then he'd fly home, go to shift uh, Monday morning. So he took so much joy. And I tell this story of, um, 
um, my dad, when he got sick, we were playing in San Diego. And uh, he's been diagnosed with cancer. And the first question this guy has when he's been diagnosed with cancer is, can I watch my sons play lacrosse? (laughs) (laughs) Right? And uh, so the doc's like, Joe, you can't go to San Diego, one, because of insurance, two, because it's just not healthy for you. It's just, it's, it's a huge risk. You can't do it. And it's like the only time it brought a tear to my dad's eye and he's been diagnosed with this deadly disease. And then I just was so proud and I played my best when dad was in the crowd. Always played my best. I think of every championship game or I think of every game that I had, dad was always there and I could always see him. And he made a point. He would come down. He would always stand at the bench with his little carry-on like a a flight attendant would have, like a business rolly bag that you can just throw in the overhead compartment. He would stand there at attention until I acknowledged him that I knew you were there. (laughs) And I was just like, yes, Dad, I know you're there. And I give him the wave, and then he'd go sit down in his seat. (laughs) But he needed to know that I knew he was there. And then I think maybe in the back of my mind, he was there. And uh, I always wanted to make him proud, so I wanted to play my best in front of him. And it was just, you know, unconditional love and support. And I was always thankful for him. And he also, like, we did some crazy things over the years. Like, he would fly with me. To get me to like that game six man cup game in, oh, in the west like i would be coming off shift wednesday or thursday morning he's like okay i got it we got it we can get out on the 10 o'clock flight there's six open seats i'm coming with you we'll get out there we'll take a cab right to the rink so we would fly i remember game six in the man cup we f- we flew out game day after working a 14-hour night shift cabbed it right to the arena to play New Westminster in a do-or-die game six game, threw down 3-2, and uh, that's that's Joe in a nutshell, man. I, I, I owe everything to that man. Was that one of those years where guys were flying back and forth during the series? Yeah, me, Cosmo, and Billy Greer were the only ones that, uh, that were flying back and forth. So let's just say... That's for another pod, but Josh Sanders and some of these guys were not happy with us after they <laughs> lost twice in a row as we all took off on them. Oh, so, and it was, uh, that's a whole podcast yeah, of itself yeah. that series. I'll go over that another time, but uh, yeah. So we're uh, we're about to get the playoffs started here with the Toronto Rock. Um, you've been obviously a part of many championship teams. We talk about the Man Cup, but also at the NLL. Uh, level when you look at this roster right now and and how things are constructed and you know some of the things uh, you're working on you know going into the playoffs here to prepare this team really you know um, from a leadership role um, you still get the juices flowing the same way as always after uh, going through this you know this many times absolutely it's so funny it's like the change of the seasons Right, this the wet, nice weather comes out. It's like you know, okay, it's playoff time. You start to get a little bit hot in your suit going to the game days. Now the arena is a little bit hotter. It's like you know, it's like you know the environment. You've been here before. And do what year is this for you, Chow? Year seven or eight? Six. Six. Yeah. How many times you missed the playoffs? Well, just once. Just the one year, right? My second year, I think we missed. Yeah. Yeah, that's it, right? So. You as a player, when you look back on your legacy and your career, what do you want to be known for? You want to be known for what you do come playoff time. That's what all the greats do, 
right? Are you on teams in your 20-year career, which I see for you? And how many times do you want to say you missed the playoffs? You want to say maybe two, right? Those are what great players do. They're always on winning teams. How are you measured as a player? Yeah, there's so many great players that have put up big numbers in the regular season and had some success, but really, when the change of the weather comes, it's like you're playing the best of the best. You've got to elevate your game, and then that's when you want to be measured. And all great players are measured by what they do when the game is on the line in the postseason. So I think for our group, we got a lot of guys that are sick and tired of ending their season with a loss. And this year, they want to end their season with a win. And when you do that, you know what the, the end result is. And it seems as though, you know, for a little while for this Toronto Rock team, it was Georgia getting past them, and, the, and then that happened. But still came up short against Buffalo. And obviously the way last year's series went, two one-goal losses. It, it's And then Saturday's game, again, the one-goal loss. Um, Buffalo is beginning to be that team that it's like that's the hump, right, for this team to get over. Yeah, and Buffalo's had a, a lot of success, right? And, and they're the ones who have won the East the last, you know, forever long. And for us, it's a hurdle, and it's uh, – it's a great uh, challenge for us. It's uh, There's no holes in their squad, right? But, again, don't you want to be measured by that? You just want to side door it into the finals. You do want to just hope that you have this easy path to where you can win this thing. It's like it doesn't happen like that. They're consistently winning every year for a reason, and we have to assemble a team that can match that in order to get to the next phase. I just like listening. <laughs> it is good. It is good. Um, all righty. Anything else we want to cover today? Or we've that was all our lacrosse talk, eh? Just well, I don't know. Is, is it, well, I mean, we could talk more about the game on Saturday against Buffalo specifically, and you know, a tale of two halves for sure. Four two in the first half. I think both teams obviously would have liked to score some more goals there, and then the second half, uh, things just didn't go our way. Right. Yeah, it was a tough game. Um, I love Phil Sanderson's analogy. I, I use it all the time. It's like outwork, outsmart, outexecute. You do those three check boxes, you're putting yourself in a really good position to win games. And, you know, for us, um, some of the mental errors and the mistakes that we made, they made us pay. And that's the reality of it, right? And come postseason, I don't like saying you, you got to be error-free because that's just not reality. We're all humans. We the game's so fast. It, the the bell bounces. You don't get to sway your way. You just you have to move on very quickly every shift in the postseason. You got to play fast, but you got to be dialed. And uh, and for us, um, I don't think we need to change anything. We just need to ramp up our execution, and then ultimately we have to execute on that day in order to get to the next phase. What about you? Well, like, what, what do you? What about you? Playoff time, child. Like, what's your mindset, or what are you thinking about this time of year? Winning, winning. <laughs> yeah, I mean, just like kind of what what you had said, just being at your best in those big moments. It's kind of what you mentioned, like in practice, kind of going up against, uh, you know, like Latrell or Mitch or Corbs or that right like uh measuring yourself up against essentially the best and 
that's what playoffs is. It's two teams that made it to the playoffs and you're measuring yourself up against the best. And kind of like what you said, it's just like even our last game, just execution wasn't where it needed to be for us to have the success in that game. And I think we all kind of went away from that game knowing that we had to be better. So, I mean, playoffs are a fun time of year. There's yeah. no there's no real second chances. It's, it's playing air free or as much as possible. Yeah. But like you look at yourself, so now you got the – sixes now you got the world indoor you got a chance to get the world outdoor you're starting to knock off the big cats right like that's what you want to be right people win the odd time oh, they got lucky won a man cup here and all here but when you start winning consistently throughout your career in different leagues different teams that that's not a fluke right and that's why i love him is like he's doing that now he's checking all the boxes and then i know what this means to him I know what it means to everybody in the room. There's so many people in that room that deserve to win, and they know it, right? And that's what's exciting about this run is that, you know, when I think about the success of teams that I've been on, it starts with the top. You've got a great owner that's aggressive, that's willing to pay money, that's willing to put the right people in place, regardless of what that is, because winning overrides that. Checkbox, we got Jamie. Number two, you need a coach. Okay, Maddie's won before. Okay, Brucey's won before. Krug's won before, right? Colin, six times. And he's just pretty much a skills coach out there. So now you got guys that know what it takes, right? And then you assemble his team. And uh, I always use Nicky. People talk, ask me about Nick all the time in all my interviews. They say, you know, does it bog Nick that he's not in the conversation of one of the greatest all times? So I go, there's just one thing missing from him. There's just one thing missing from his game. Saves, minutes, all that stuff wins. He's right there with everybody. In order to have a seat at the table when you're done your career, you need to say you're a champion if you want to be in the conversation to be an all-time great. It's harsh, it sucks, but that's sports. What do you think, Cameron? I totally agree. It's been the thing that we've talked about uh, several times throughout the season on the podcast and obviously around the office is this roster, the way it's constructed, is definitely one that stacks up against other all-time great rock teams. And like you say, the one thing that's missing is the championship. And now it's the time where, you know, Chow really actually said it best, and you might not even remember this, but when I interviewed you quickly after the game on uh, on Saturday night when you just said – We've put in too much work to blow this. You know where I stole that from? I like that, man. Where did you steal it from? Doug. Doug over here. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I didn't even remember saying it. I probably stole it from someone. <laughs> but when you said that, it was like, it was, you know... Sometimes I feel maybe you hold back a little bit in what you're saying and that kind of stuff. But that was one of those things where I just kind of extracted that little comment out of there where it was like, okay, like, you know, it's true because you do get to this point in the season sometimes. And I'm sure for you guys, there's a bit of fatigue that sets in, right? This is a long season, right? Like you think about the summer and it's pretty short. You're playing more frequently, right? And it's kind of, it just moves a bit differently than the NLL season does. And now you've still got you know, another potentially five weeks here of playoffs to come. And uh, there is still a significant amount of work to be put in. So 
that was something that, uh, I, like that. I enjoyed hearing from the captain last week. Thank you. No. <laughs> Stole it from Dan, so thank yeah. you, Dan. All right. Okay. I think that's a great spot to wrap up on if, if you're good, Chow. Um, yeah, this isn't really a question, but it's something I was thinking about. This is, well, I guess currently and even before I met you, the, it's just being around Ontario lacrosse and even out west. It's just like, oh, you play lacrosse? It's like, yeah. It's like, oh, you know Dan Dawson. Like, it could be an elementary school teacher in Brampton or, you know, just a random parent that, you know, I'm just randomly talking to. It's just everyone knows Dan. Everyone loves Dan. And it's just, I'm glad I got to experience it. I yeah. got to experience it. I've been fooling a lot of people for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> no, the, you know, I appreciate that. But this game has been good to me. Right, this game's been good to me, and I can't ever repay it for what's given me. And every day I wake up in my house, I'm reminded that I wouldn't know my wife if it wasn't for playing Elm Victoria. It means I don't have my three kids, I don't get to meet people like you, and I learn from you. Like Chell, I, I mean, I can't be more proud of what you and in, in represent as our captain. Like who's in the weight room all the time? Who's in the community the most? Who's doing all the things that mean something? And you're just the greatest leader and you, you lead by example, which is more important than anyone who can talk the game. And when you have a great leader, good things follow him. And that's the only thing that happens. And, uh, you know, we're going to do everything in our power to win this year. So appreciate you guys having me on. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, Thank you, Doss. This was, uh, this was awesome. Okay. All right. Uh, thanks to Dan Dawson, forward with the Toronto Rock, all-time NLL great. We'll take a short break here on Toronto Rock Total Access and wrap it up in a moment. Back here to wrap things up on Toronto Rock Total Access, along with the co-host, Challen Rogers, and a fantastic interview with Dan Dawson. I think definitely we, we talked about things set in the bar in previous weeks, but New bar established, I think, for sure. It just seems like we keep raising the bar every guest we get. Yes, so the heat is going to be on whoever steps in (laughs) next week. I do have to mention, though, because the interview, it did run a little bit long with Dan. Uh, Unfortunately, this week, not time to get to the listener mailbag. Oh, no. No. So make sure you keep those questions coming in. Total access at torontorock.com. We will get back to the mailbag on uh, the next program, but uh, keep your questions coming in. We will get to them. Just not enough time to get to them this week, Chow. Pretty unfortunate. Yes, unfortunate. Um, back to the interview with Dan. You know, I, everybody kind of says this. They, they, it, it's almost hypnotic when he starts talking about stuff. Oh yeah, I was, I was chilling. <laughs> there in my was seat, several back, times, just... yeah, during the interview. I'm just listening. I'm like, if you just keep going, I'm. This is all this stuff you're saying is really great and very interesting. And I know I turned to you a couple times, <laughs> and you were like, you know, a couple feet back off the microphone, just like drinking it all in. Oh yeah, um, he's got the voice for like Sunday golf. You know, <laughs> like maybe you're a little tired. Yeah, you're just watching golf and just that calm soothing voice that's dan (laughs) do you think when you look back you know when your nll career is done like is this gonna be a guy the guy that you're like you know i drew so much from him i learned so much from this guy early in my career yes the guy 
The guy. The guy. Absolutely. Did you think it would be did you think he would be this impactful on this group before he got here? Like when when he signed, were you like, okay, we're we're in for it. This is going to be a big help for me as a leader and, and all those kinds of things. Was this uh, and I guess did it surpass expectations? Yeah, no, I th- I think you kind of nailed it there. Definitely when you sign one of the best players to ever play and um, the leader that he is, like I I knew that it'd be very beneficial for me. Um, but it's surpassed everything that I thought. Um, you know, before we signed Dan, really I just it was all hearsay. I had heard a lot of things about him, how good of a guy he was, but. And you get to meet him the first time and, you know, he's, he's giving you a hug just because that's who he is. And it's just like embracing. And, and uh, yeah, I mean, I've learned so much from him on the floor about the game, but even just being a good parent, being around his kids and, and just watching him, how he is with them. It's he's just one of those guys you want to be around at all times. And it's uh, it's been great having him. I've talked about this on the podcast before, so you can dig back in the archives, but just, I I can remember just after he signed here and the turn of suddenly, you know, in August or whatever it was, there's Dan and five or six guys shooting during the day. And it was kind of like, what's going on here? Yeah. (laughs) This wasn't a regular thing, you know, before, like, you know, before August 1st, you know, he didn't actually sign on the first, but um, you know, in, in those days afterwards, after he signed, like he was just like, I'm moving in and boys, let's go. It was a transformation kind of like no other that I've seen, you know, since I've been around here and just the impact that he had and has had and probably will continue to have given that, uh, you know, from the way he's talking, regardless of whether or not he's pulling on the number six Jersey anymore or not. He will still be around here in some capacity and having an impact on this team, which, you know, also has to be something that is probably pretty exciting to yourself and your teammates. Absolutely. The more Dan Dawson you can have, the better. (laughs) That's great. That's very well put, Chow. Thank you. Um, Okay. Well, the Dan Dawson love-in can uh, pause for a little while. I I can't wait till the next time we have him back because – I think talking about some of those uh, series in the summer in the Man Cup, um, those really, I feel like, are probably like the lost tales of lacrosse. Oh, yeah. Because there's some pretty incredible things in in those series. And uh, like he said, you know, flying back and forth cross-country during the series, um, you know, I can remember, I mean, Dan uh, – Colin Doyle putting on the pads and playing goal after goalies getting tossed out and stuff in man cups. Like there, there is so much wild history, I think in these man cups that it almost should be a spinoff podcast that, uh, that we could do something like that sometime, but be good. Um, like E60. You know, like, yeah. Yeah. Cause it, even, yeah, just some of the, how those games ended and, I'm just thinking like the Brampton team they were on when they were playing New West. And I think they were down one with like less than a minute left and they ended up tying and then winning the game before end of regulation. Yeah. But yeah, I agree with you. That would be. It would be fascinating, I think, because I don't, 
you know, there's Toronto Rock fans, then there's lacrosse fans, right? I think there's, it's kind of, and when I say lacrosse fans, I shouldn't actually categorize it that way. There's Toronto Rock fans, and then there's fans of, you know, all lacrosse, I think is probably the, the better way to put it. And people that closely follow the game in the summer, whether they're at the games or just following things online and whatnot, or watching webcasts and, and such. But there's, there is kind of, I think, two different pools of fans. Um, it would be for that pool of fans that is definitely more dedicated to just the National Lacrosse League and the Toronto Rock to learn more about some of these uh, tales, tales from the past and these incredible series in the summer that, you know, involved many of the same players that, uh, that they've watched and become fans would be uh, truly something, you know, that needs to be archived, I think, too, as well for future generations to, uh, to be able to enjoy, I think, as well and be aware of the history of the game, so... Side project. Yeah. And another war on the floor. Yeah. It, it's weird because we discussed doing something like that here um, during the pandemic. I think we, we broke down. We, we actually did quite a deep dive into what made up the original video, the segments and, and how it flowed. And it, I think would be very difficult to recreate. That was kind of what we came to the conclusion of because highlights are so much more readily available now. And back then it was kind of like, this is it. Like you couldn't really go anywhere. Like when that video was released, especially there, there wasn't really anywhere else to go to quickly access video clips of anything. Yeah. YouTube right? wasn't. What it no, is like let alone lacrosse, but like, clips of anything really yeah. right like uh, as as readily available as things are now i mean you look at scroll back on any team's twitter feed and you can watch every single goal probably as you know right at your fingertips anytime whereas in in the past it was like you know okay well i got this video maybe it came for christmas very much like the old don cherry rock'em sock'ems every year right um you know the compila compilation of of great highlights now I, I think there is probably still some kind of legs there, but I think you would need, like, who's the personalities that you would have potentially? Because Joe Bowen was, you know, a pretty big character and, and still is, right? A very well-known voice, National Hockey League, Toronto Maple Leafs. You have Pat Coyle on those videos who was, you know, a really great sidekick and host <laughs> for Joe Bowen on those videos. But then you had the great interviews too with with guys that you probably never heard talk, right? Because where else would you have seen an interview of, you know, of Terry Sanderson, Colin Doyle, who else was it? John Grant was in there, John Tavares, all these guys. Like now, every game you see the guys you know. So I, that's where I think I don't know if the uniqueness of it would be quite the same. That's true, right? Things I didn't think about. I know we we did actually some serious legwork on this because it was proposed that somebody really wanted to do this around here, and so we we did some work, we did some homework on it, and it was just it was one of those things where just we're like I don't know if it's going to be you know uh, a project that would kind of give us the results that we had hoped for, but you know right off the top, who would be the guys that you would you know, be the hosts of the show almost, right? Like, I feel like 
just thinking about who kind of hosts a lot of the games and does televised games. It's almost like Pat, Gregoire. I feel like Ashley would be funny doing some of that stuff. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's. See, my only thing is just like the Joe Bowen factor, right? So you had a a voice, a personality, and somebody there that crossed over other sports, right? That, you know, it was something that lent a lot of uh, credibility to Toronto Rock Games on television right away back in the past that, you know, people turned the channel on. They heard Joe Bowen's very recognizable voice and probably were like, what is this happening at Maple Leaf Gardens? And I hear Joe, but there's not ice, there's a green turf down, right? And, and people checked it out, uh, I think, in the past just for that reason, right? They heard a familiar voice. And uh, even with Paul Hendrick hosting was a very, you know, CHCH guy and sports guy and, and was, uh, you know, always around. And then you had Shani doing color, who, you know, his last name was very recognizable, again, through hockey. So you had that hockey crossover to the mainstream. But, you know, and, the, and then that's where I would think, you know, maybe John Abbott enters the fray, so to speak, in, in that respect, given that he is a, a TSN hockey guy that is uh, up and coming, I think, to be one of their main play-by-play guys and then also doing the NLL on TSN. But if we were to spick, pick sorry, a player, who do you think would be that guy? Who would be that guy? Um, 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 um. <laughs> Sorry, getting a phone call here during the podcast. But uh, who do you think would be that guy? Or maybe I'm like a short list. Um, <laughs> I, I didn't make the call. <laughs> let's see here. Honestly, maybe Dan. Dan would be kind of that voice, you know, like we were talking about earlier. Uh, hmm. Who else? I'm trying to like rifle. Here's a name I'll throw at you that kind of gives me a little Pat Coyle vibe. Bill Hostrauser. That would be electric. He would not like to do that at all. I think he would love it. And the only reason I say that now is because on Media Day, the interview and stuff about his bobblehead and how freely he spoke about it and how excited and genuine he was about it. Like, that video got applause in the arena when it ended because I think people loved to hear how excited Billy was about the bobblehead. Really? (laughs) I need to see the video. Yeah, it, it was, uh, he, he was just excited about it. And like, there was a genuine, like, more than a smattering of applause and cheering when the video ended. And, and you know, for an interview that runs in game, it was pretty unique to get that kind of reaction. So that, I think that would be my choice as a player. Yeah, I, I, that would be great. I'm still not sure on the host. I'm, I'm still not sure on who the. Maybe you just bring Joey B back. Would. Yeah, I mean, you could bring. Old Joe Bowen. Yeah. He does love the game. Yeah. Yeah. He hasn't been to a game in a while. He he would usually, you know, maybe once a year kind of reach out and ask for tickets uh, to come and check out a game when uh, when we were in Toronto. But post-COVID, I don't think he's been out to Hamilton yet. Not to my knowledge. But maybe we'll have to get him out there. But he's busy with the Leafs. Yeah. How are you feeling about that? I know. Are you a Leaf guy now that you're here or? I'm like a fan, I guess, from afar. I wouldn't say I'm like diehard. I have a Leafs jersey, but it's of Matt Martin. I played like a year here. <laughs> wow. <laughs> that's when I that's when I was at the height of my Leaf fandom when Matt Martin was playing. Okay. I liked him when he was on the Islanders. Obviously, went to school on the island. So. 
Oh, okay. All right. So like there was the a bit hours. of a connection. Yep. And uh, yeah. So what do you think? Are the Leafs closing this out? Are you guys all going to the game Thursday? Uh, no, I haven't been invited. Oh, all right. Sorry. Well, <laughs> uh, yeah. You know what? I didn't know. <laughs> to be honest, like when usually Leafs go down, it's over. You know, like especially what it was four one. Yeah, four one. Four one. I was watching the first two periods. I'm like, this game is donezo. Because usually it is. And then, you know, they come out in third and they Matthew scores one and then he scores another and trains rolling. It's, it's nice to see. If there was a year for them to get out of the first round, I think it's going to be this year. And I'm not just saying this because they're up 3-1 right now. But, you know, strange things have happened this year, right? Like Sidney Crosby missed the playoffs for the first time in – well, who would have forever. guessed that some Pittsburgh Penguin makes? <laughs> there would be a reference? Yeah. So that's what I'm saying. Crazy stuff's happening. So yeah. The no, Leafs I'd... making it out of the first round. Yeah. But then are they just complacent after getting out of the second, first round for the first time ever? Well, I mean, it may not be uh, by choice, I guess you could say, if that makes sense. But they're going to run into a pretty tough team here with Boston in the second round. But they're also a good team, you know. Like they, they are good. They played yeah. Boston yeah. pretty well, I feel like this year, and yeah, I don't like. It's really just defense. Yeah, and they had that infusion like. of Zach Aston Reese and Sam Lafferty, a couple of former Penguins, into the lineup for the Leafs, so that's helped too. And Matt Murray, he's going to come in. This is my yeah, thing. Matt that, Murray's been doing well, well this year. But here's the thing: 2017 Stanley Cup playoffs. Mark Andre Fleury plays basically the first two rounds. And then in the conference finals, Murray comes in, guides the Penguins to their second straight cup. His second straight cup is unbelievable in that, you know, run again. And that's where I feel like there's a chance when he gets healthy, if the Leafs are still playing, when he gets healthy. (laughs) I don't know. He could be, he still could be the guy. Since 2017, though, like, what's he really been doing? Went to Ottawa. Riding those uh, two Stanley Cup wins, I think. Yeah. Can't ever take them away from him. No. Technically won two Stanley Cups as a rookie. Yeah. Because he hadn't exhausted his uh, rookie status in the 15-16 season when they won. So, there you go. An incredible stat. Yeah. <laughs> Trot that one around the locker room. And say, Did you guys know? <laughs> Matt Murray. When Murray comes in and saves the day for the Leafs later. Well, Samsonov's been doing his job. After the yeah, game. he has been, absolutely. A la Marc-Andre Fleury in the first half of the 2017 playoffs. The parallels are amazing. Yeah. All right, child, do we have any updates on what you're watching? Please say you finally watched. <laughs> you know what? I have actually not. Oh, you had not. me on the hook there. Well, it's playoff hockey. You know, every night you're watching hockey. I don't have time to watch night That's agent. true, yeah. But trust me, I go on Netflix sometimes. I still see it there. It's flashing It's on my you know? list. <laughs> It's in the top three of my list right now. Really? Have you watched anything else since we talked last? No, I actually haven't. Yeah. I've just crushed hockey. This is a good time of playoff hockey because you can tune in at seven and you're watching the next four games. Bang, bang, bang. Not anymore now. It's kind of like two games. but Yeah, I think is there two tonight and what are they back to four? I think it's four tomorrow night. Thursday. I think it's three. I think it's two, three, one for right now. I think I looked earlier. I could have sworn there was four games tomorrow night. We're both going to look it up right now. <laughs> yep. Um, 
Well, the Edmonton game moves to Saturday. There's three games tomorrow. Thursday, three. Four games Friday. There you go. Potentially. Okay. All right. Uh, (laughs) So we haven't watched anything else, haven't listened to anything else, haven't uh, done anything else. Just thought lacrosse, watch playoff hockey, and still not watching Big Brother Canada. Nope. The real Big Brother should be starting soon, though. Uh, I think it's usually late, late June, early July, isn't it? Yeah, I guess that's kind of true. Yeah, got a little bit of time before that. (laughs) You'll be able to watch it uh, while you're in California. Yeah, you won't be far. Maybe you can go and go break into the Big Brother house. Yeah, wouldn't that be something if you were on if you were playing in the World Championships and then if. Big Brother didn't start until like the first week of July. If you just went right onto the show at that point, it'd be great. Yeah, I would love that. Maybe you could be one of those guys that just randomly enters the house like three weeks into the show, even if it starts a little early. Yeah, maybe they do a lacrosse game. Boom! They wouldn't yeah. use Canadians for it, but but if you guys win, then maybe you could say we That's we true. should. Yeah, on Canada's day. <laughs> the day of Canada. Oh, as we said last week, remember? Yep. It's Canada's day. Can't wait for that call. All right, Chell. Well, uh, we do have to plug some tickets coming up Friday, May the 5th. It is the NLL quarterfinals, Toronto Rock versus Halifax or Rochester. We will know that opponent after this weekend's game. Game time on Friday, May the 5th is 7.30 at First Ontario Centre. Tickets are available now at torontorock.com, and you can also get your hands on the playoff pack, which once you commit to the playoff pack, you guarantee your seat to every home Toronto Rock playoff game here in 2023 on this playoff run, and you only pay as we play. So it is uh, really kind of one of those no-risk things, and um, yeah, you'll only be charged as each playoff game is clinched or becomes necessary. Exciting. Extremely exciting. Exciting time here in the Hammer. And we've seen, you know, a very energetic crowd in Buffalo this past Saturday. We had a very energetic crowd as well on April 1st and April 15th in Hamilton. We see what those can do for teams. So make sure you get out to the playoff games. The first one coming up again Friday, May the 5th at First Ontario Centre in Hamilton. You have something to say? No. <laughs> All right, Chal. I think we're going to wrap it up there. This has been a uh, it's been a long episode of the podcast. I think the here. people will enjoy this one, though. I think they will too. I think a lot of people are going to settle in for the long haul in the Dan Dawson interview. And if you're hearing us say this, then you've already settled in <laughs> for the very long haul. Hope you enjoyed it for everything. Yeah, it's great. I have a lot of calls coming in right now, so I think we're going to have to wrap this up in a hurry. Um, Chal, it's been a great uh, great one. Enjoy the bye week here. A little team bonding coming up as well this weekend, a practice on Saturday, and then some uh, scoreboard watching. Yep, some card plan. And a nice meal, a little chicken parm on the way on Saturday night. Let's go. Alrighty. In the meantime, and in between time, for the co-host, Challen Rogers, I'm Mike Hancock saying that's it. That's all. Another edition of Toronto Rock Total Access is over and done with. Enjoy the bye week, folks. We're ready for the playoffs, and we will chat next week.